Good morning. <laughs> Our scripture reading today is from Mark 10, um, verses 17 to 27. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is possible, but not with God, for all things are possible. Sorry, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, not to cause shame, I'm not going to cause shame. But if Emily can get up here and serve the church. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Emily's the baby, by the way, <laughs> for those of you who are visiting. Are you an instruction follower? Like if you go to Ikea or some other place and you get something that has to be put together... Do you think to yourself, I'm going to get this out, I'm going to line out all the pieces, I'm going to look at the instructions, and I'm going to follow it to a T? When you were a child, maybe you received a chemistry set, or a magician set, or something like that, and you thought to yourself, I'm going to follow these experiments, or I'm going to follow these things exactly the way that they say them, uh, or perhaps you were the other type of person who got all the chemicals and everything and just sort of mixed them together to see if you could get an explosion. We have in our hearts at times a place where we want to know what the rules are. What are the instructions, the things that we are required to do in order to get to some place? That's the reason why I like cooking instead of baking. Because cooking requires ingenuity and creativity. You, you can just kind of throw some stuff in there and see what happens. And sometimes it's really good and sometimes it's really bad. But if you're going to bake, you have to follow the instructions. Because if you just put a little bit too much bicarb or just not enough salt or way too much sugar then the thing is just not going to turn out right at all. 
your, your uh, scones won't rise up the way that they need to rise up or the, the, the custard that you're making won't get solidified in the right way or it's just going to taste terrible. And so you have to follow the instruction. That's why I don't bake. I may be revealing a little bit too much about myself right now. <laughs> this young man who we find out because we look at the stories from both Luke and Matthew and Mark is the rich young ruler. Uh, that's how we've come to know him if you've ever been in church circles. This rich young ruler comes to Jesus as he's walking along with the disciples and he falls down and he says, good teacher, what must I do, right? What must I do? And, and in some sense, that's a question that all of us come to Jesus with. We come to that place, whether we've been in church our whole lives or whether we're starting this journey trying to figure out what it is to have a relationship with God. And we say, what is it that I need to do in order to get eternal life? What is it that's going to be the thing that I must accomplish the most? What's the rules, Jesus? Just give me the rules. And I'll make sure I hit them so that I can be saved. And Jesus turns him on his head. <laughs> Jesus answers his question very differently probably than he had anticipated. Because, see, the culture that he had grown up, the places that he had been, it was all about the things that you did. It was all about the things that you accomplished. It was all about the ways that you sacrificed in order to be saved. And Jesus says, no, that's not what it is. But first he rebukes him a little bit. Now, I don't know if he was, you know, trying to butter up Jesus by saying good teacher. It could be that he really thought that he was a good teacher. We don't know for sure. But what we know is that Jesus wanted to make a point very clear. He wanted to say, only God is good. And that actually sets up the whole scene for us. Only God is good. He, he's beginning the process of saying, we're going to look at what God does more than what you do. And so he tells him, you know what the commandments are, and he gives him all these commandments that what we would consider are horizontal commandments. He goes back to the Ten Commandments and he gives them the horizontal commandments. Right? He says to him, uh, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your mother and father. He adds, a, he adds an 11th commandment. He says, don't defraud. <laughs> right? And maybe that's because he knew that the rich young ruler became rich young ruler because he defrauded. We don't know, but he adds it there. But they're all things that have to do vertically, not things that, I mean, uh, horizontally, not things that have to do vertically. There's a reason for this. He, he's going to get to the heart of this young man very quickly. Because what does the young man answer? Oh, good. I've done all those since I was born. I've honored my father and mother. I've not stolen. I've not lied. I've not defrauded. I've done all of these things. Awesome. He received his answer. And Jesus says, oh, one more thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. 
Jesus right there at that moment, at the crux of what's taking place, looks and understands that this gentleman has something else as his God. He recognizes that there's something in his heart that is higher than even his desire for eternal life. I would dare say that this rich young ruler thought he could probably buy his way into eternal life. Because money and wealth and prestige where is God. It's at this point that we begin to see Jesus as something different because here he confronts. Here he comes at and says, you need to get rid of your God. But let's go back to the young man for a second. What does he teach us about ourselves and who we are? I think the first thing that this young man teaches us about our own hearts and about who we are is the question becomes first and foremost. Not what must I do to gain eternal life. His question is really, how far away can I be from the ideal and still get eternal life? See, when we ask a question, what must I do, we're not implying what's the maximum I can do. What's all that I can do? When we ask that question, what we're really saying is what's the bare minimum that I can do and still be okay? When I had the privilege of being a youth minister with folks uh, that were younger than me that always were kind of thinking about their dating relationships and what they could do in those dating relationships, they would ask the question, how far is too far? How far is too far, Pastor Lee? And I would say, don't you mean how far can I go and still be okay? They usually didn't like that answer. But that's our hearts, right? Our hearts are, we want to know just how far outside we can get. Like if God is the center, how far away from the center can we get and still be okay? Still be all right. Now, can I get this far away from the center? Am I still good? Can I get this far away from the center and still be good? And he confronts it. Because what is the center of his life? The center of the life for this young man is his wealth. And so he says, in order to get saved, in order for you to have eternal life, you have to sell everything you have and then come and follow me. And then you'll be saved. You've got to stop thinking about how far away you can be from me and realize that you have to get as close to me as you possibly can. What is it that we are thinking to ourselves in our relationship with Jesus? Are we thinking to ourselves, this is how far I can go? What if I just do this? Is that going to cause God not to love me anymore? I can't possibly not do this thing. And so if I do it, will it cause God to despise me? How far is too far? Not how close can I get? The second thing that we learn from this man is that we often will have places and things in our lives that take the place of God. 
There are things that we set up, whether it's power or prestige or whether it's acceptance by those around us, whether it's pleasure or any other number of things that we will elevate into a place of of God for us, that we'll say, I'm going to do everything I can do to get as close to that as I possibly can, right? Because that's what it is. It's the difference between getting as close to God as we can or getting as close to that other thing as we can. We all know that we'll do anything that we can in order to get that thing that we really want. If our desire is wealth, then we'll work extra hours and we'll do more work and we'll maybe fudge on some things just to get the wealth that we can get. If it's prestige, then we'll make sure that we're seen in the right circles in the right ways and we're okay to let our our ethics sort of be molded by the group that we're in because that gives us prestige. If it's acceptance, then we become all things to all people, not in the good way that Paul tells us to be, but in a way that our acceptance is given to us and we feel loved and needed and respected. And all of a sudden what we've done is we've gone, how close can I get to this thing that I want in my life as opposed to how close can I get to God? All the while, probably in our own hearts, still saying, am I okay, Lord? Am I okay, Lord? Am I okay, Lord? The young man came and he said, good, teacher, what can I do to be saved? I've got it covered. Wait a minute. I don't. And it tells us that the young man walks away because he had great wealth. He wasn't convicted to a place where he thought, I've got to get as close to God as I possibly can and not to my wealth. He still thought of his wealth as his God. Because the thing we want to get close to, that's our God. Tim Keller puts it this way, the thing that takes the place of Jesus, that meets the need in your life that Jesus is supposed to meet, that's your God. confronting but Jesus doesn't stop there (laughs) because then he looks at his disciples and he says to them how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God and they were amazed by his words and he goes further and says how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God it'll be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven All right, so there's lots of ways we can go with this, right? (laughs) Like we can come at this and we can look at it strictly in a financial sort of ledger sort of way, right? So real quickly, let's just be honest with ourselves. We live in Western Australia. Not all of us have easy lives. But in comparison to much of the world, if we were to put a thing on scales, we would recognize that we actually have a pretty easy life. In my house, we have four-letter words. One of the four-letter words starts with an F, and it's fair. We don't use the word fair in our family. You want fair? Fair means I need to take away your food and take away your house. And take, because fair means everything's even for everybody. Right? We don't live in a fair world. It can't be fair. So first of all, let's understand that we're wealthy. Now, various degrees in different places, right? Even within our community. But if we look at the grand scheme of global sort of society, 
we're wealthy in comparison to most of the world. So is that what Jesus is saying? <laughs> is Jesus saying that if you're rich, it's going to be really hard for you to get into the kingdom of heaven? Well, that is what he's saying here. Because he's speaking specifically about a young man who's come to him who's wealthy, who's set that wealth up as his God. Right? So know this. Recognize that when we have the ability to have more gods in our lives, it becomes more difficult for us to follow the one true God. And by virtue of where you've been born and where you live, you actually have the ability to have more gods in your life. You have the ability to have other things that will cause you not to see the Holy One. You have things that will tempt you in ways that are not tempted in other places. However, the base heart of man moves towards all those temptations. Because whether it's gold and prestige or job, or whether it's a wood carving of something that you've done yourself and set in your house as an idol to worship, it still is a different God than the God who calls you. And so first we need to recognize that it's difficult for us to enter into the kingdom of God because we have things that are our gods that get raised up in our culture and where we live that we elevate because of, by, of where we are. How hard is it? Uh, Recent archaeological finds have discovered that this uh, great illustration that used to be said all the time about the, the eye of the needle and camels entering through, uh, we were taught uh, when I was in uh, Bible college and seminary that it was this gate that was into Jerusalem and like it was so hard the camel had to bend under, you had to bend under. It was Actually, they're kind of discovering that that actually might not have been. So think about it. Jesus wasn't referring to that. He's referring to a needle and a camel. That's the reason why the apostles say, who can be saved? <laughs> it wasn't because they were like, well, people can get through there. I mean, they might scrape up their legs. And then... It's because Jesus is saying, camel, needle head. And they think to themselves, Whoa, who can be saved? Can I go back just a minute? The young man, when he hears the list, he says to him, Oh, teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And then Jesus answered his disciples, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. He looked at the man. And he didn't think to himself, you idiot. He looked at the man and he didn't think to himself, oh, I've got to teach you the right things. He looked at the man and loved him. How is it possible 
How is it possible? What must I do to be saved? And Jesus answers the question. It's impossible for you to do anything to be saved. But I look at you with love and tell you that I have done the impossible. What are the lists that you have to prove yourself to God right now in your own hearts? What are the things that you've set up that said, if I get this right, then I'll be acceptable? Listen, it's impossible for you to do it. You can't. But Jesus looks at you with love and says, with God, all things are possible. What are the little gods that you've set up in your life that you think, how close can I get to this God over here and still be okay with the mighty, holy God? How how far away can I get from the mighty, holy God to this little God over here and still be all right? Jesus says, no, it's impossible for you to have any other God. You can't have any other God and be saved. But I love you. And I see you as who you are in me. And I bring you in. Because it is possible with God. What are the things that you've set up in your life that you hope happen, that are your aspirations, that you wonder and and question why God's not making those happen? And if they would, then you know He would love you. He says, don't put your trust in those things. You can only trust that I love you. And I will bring you through. It's not bad to have instructions. It's actually not bad for us to have lists. Uh, I've built many a beds for my girls and my son. And if I had not followed the instructions, I could have seriously injured them. And so I'm grateful that there are times where I follow the instructions. So what's the instruction? What must I do to be saved? Believe. Believe that He looks at you in love. And in that love, he's done the impossible and said, not only will I bring you as close to me as possible, I will pick you up and put you on me. I will hold you tightly to me and whisper your name to you. The name that I have given you that is beyond every other name that you have. An identity that is so truth to you that when you hear it, you know that you are loved more than you've ever been loved before. God says, there's nothing that will keep you away from me. See, the opposite of this is many of us believe that we've just gone too far. If you're here and you believe you've gone too far, that you've stepped out of the circle, that you've just gone too far and He can't reach you, hear me now, it is impossible for you to have gone too far. The Father sees you in Christ's love and does the impossible and brings you back. What must we do? We must believe. Each and every one of us. 
over and over again. Every minute of every day, be reminded that Jesus looks at us in love. So, there is no shame. And when there is no shame, that means that we have the courage and the ability to step in relationship with those who God has put in our lives and say to them, I'm struggling with this. I'm hurting with this. I'm I'm falling in this. I've elevated some things above what they need to be elevated. I need you to help me. Because he wasn't just talking to the single man who walked away. He was talking to those who are closest those who would go on to lead the church, those who would be our founding fathers, those whose shoulders we stand upon. And so God places us together in community for that very thing. Because outside of community, it certainly seems impossible. But within it, we know God's love is possible for us. Let me pray for us. Lord, let these be your words. If they're not, let them burn up and go away. But if they are, we ask that they'll take root in our hearts and they will bear your good fruit. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Would you stand up and sing in response to this word?